How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love. The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people, live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. to set you free. I'm sorry I sound like this. I'm Leslie Marshall. I was in Morocco doing a TED Talk, as many of you know and many of you saw. Thank you for your support and for watching. I'm back, but I caught something last day or on the plane and came back with just this nasty, you know, flu-like thing. But uh, I'm here. I'm alive. I'm well, and I'm glad to be home and back with all of you here on the only true democracy in uh, talk radio of, for, and by you, the people. In this hour, we have a great uh, guest that's going to be joining us. And uh, in addition to that, we have talk media news at the end of the hour. And of course, as always, your phone calls, your questions, your comments, your opinions, your concerns. 888-6-LESLIE is the number. 888-653-7543 is the number. Now, without further ado, bringing him back on the show, somebody who knows his stuff in this area, an area that I am not as well-versed on, and one of the reasons I have experts like him join us to answer your questions and mine, especially about relevant news items and legislation put forth, both of which we're addressing today. Dr. Robert Shapiro is chairman of Sonicon. It's an economic advisory firm. He is a senior fellow of the McDonough School of Business at Georgetown University. Internationally known as an economist who has advised, among others, President Bill Clinton, Vice President Al Gore Jr., British Prime Ministers Tony Blair and Gordon Brown, and when they were senators, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. He was Undersecretary of Commerce for Economic Affairs during the Clinton administration. More than a pleasure to have back on the show, Dr. Robert Shapiro. Dr. Shapiro, thank you for being back with us. Always a Uh, pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here, Leslie, and I'm glad you're feeling better. Oh, thank you. Uh, Thank you. you. I appreciate it. Um, You have um, written a piece entitled Trump's tax plan is aimed at the 2018 and 2020 elections, but not U.S. competitiveness. Um, And and, and interestingly enough, uh, with the personality that many have uh, dubbed uh, narcissist uh, of the uh, president, it's it's no surprise that his economic plan would be all about what benefits him, his bottom line or uh, him being elect, re-elected in 2020. 
But he seems too selfish, really, to care about 2018, what happens to Republicans, although he calls himself Republicans. He's not in lockstep with Republicans, as we've seen with sparring, uh, you know, with Paul Ryan and others over the um, the new uh, health care bill, uh, phase one and you might say phase two. Uh, but Donald Trump, it seems, is trying to check off boxes of promises he made during the campaign, and one of which was that he was going to cut the tax rate specifically for American businesses uh, to 15 percent, and he really didn't give a damn uh, about the deficit. And his plan pretty much echoes that sentiment, doesn't it? It does. And, um, you know, the plan is really – it's remarkable in a number of ways. First of all, we have never seen a plan, including W's plan and Reagan's plan, that was tilted so much to the wealthy um, in every respect. It's um, uh, he uh, reduces the rates to three. Okay, he he. The one thing for the middle class is that he doubles the standard deduction, but after that. He eliminates the alternative minimum tax, which the one year we have Trump's tax returns for, uh, which was 2005, where we have the first two pages of them, um, uh, he was subject to the alternative minimum tax, which cost him $21 million that year. That is, without that, he would have paid almost no tax. He eliminates the estate tax, which is, of course, of interest uh, to about... 2,000 families a year, because those are the ones actually subject to it. Um, And then he lowers the corporate rate to 15%. Now, they'll tell you, and it's correct, that 52% of the country owns stock, either directly or through mutual funds, usually through their pension, pension plans. And that's true. But most people don't own very much stock. So that Unless you're, unless you're somebody like Donald 91% of all equities are held by the top 10% of the country. So basically, basically that's like, you know, if you're Donald Trump in that level. I mean, that's him and his buddies. Right. And But the, the innovation from, from the point of view of taxes that he had, that he's put in place here, is that he applies this 15% corporate rate to non-corporate businesses, what are called pass-throughs. These are privately held businesses and LLCs and limited partnerships in which, uh, under the current law and for the last 60 years, um, they're, they're owned by a small group of people. The profits pass through to those, to the owners, and then the owners are taxed on it at their personal income tax rate. Well, he, what he says is that these pass-throughs should also be taxed at 15%. Now, what are these pass-throughs? They're privately held companies like the Coke Industries, Bechtel, Mars, Cargill, the Trump Organization. Um, they're LLCs and limited partnerships. So that covers all hedge funds, all private equity funds, all investment trusts. It also covers most law and medical practices. So all of these people would be taxed at 15%, uh, which is remarkable. And, of course, it includes the Trump Organization. 
which is a privately held company, which has been taxed as a pass-through. So no one before has ever attempted this. This would actually reduce the tax burden on hedge fund partners more than the carried interest loophole. For uh, the, for this plan to be put forth, I mean, you know, some people might label it bold and, and, and aggressive. What are you hearing in Republican circles? Are they saying, oh, my God, this is awesome, or is this too much because, you know, not caring at all about the deficit, uh, living for the moment and not looking um, uh, long, long term? And I also want you to talk about how this benefits 2018's, uh, right. you know, campaign for, for Republicans. Well, the Republicans that I speak to – um, uh, they think that whatever passes will be a lot smaller than this. Um, and the reason is there are only two ways to pass this. One is under what's called reconciliation. And under reconciliation, you can't be filibustered in the Senate. So you only need 50 votes. Uh, so they could pass it with just Republicans. The problem is the law, the reconciliation law, says that any tax changes which are passed under reconciliation cannot increase deficits 10 years from now. It, the, the reconciliation doesn't say you can't increase deficits in the first 10 years, but after that there could be no negative deficit. Uh, implications to it. Now, that's why W's tax cuts all expired. You remember there was yes. a big yes. fight with Obama over should we renew the Bush tax cuts? And in the end, they renewed everything except the tax cuts at the very top. Well, that was because they they had to sunset them after 10 years because they increased the deficit. Now, there is no doubt that this would have huge deficit implications 10 years out. Here's the problem, and it's a really, I don't know, it's pretty technical. You want me to go into it? Uh, yes, but just remember that, you know, myself included, we're, we're not rocket scientists in the economy, I, all of us. Some of my listeners gonna, are. I'm I, not. I'm going to make this real simple. Okay. The, when you cut the corporate tax rate, it costs you money way down the road. And joint tax has has confirmed this. And the reason is you got all these companies that have money that they've been keeping abroad, right? And so let's say we cut the tax rate just for three years to uh, 15%. Uh, those companies would say, hey, we can now bring it back at 15%. We've been paying 15% in Europe or Asia, so we can bring it back tax-free because you get a credit for what you paid abroad. Um, okay, so they bring it back, and they bring back everything they're planning to bring back over a long period of time. And that means that 10 years from now, the amount that they would have brought back normally is less, and that increases the deficit. So the truth is, if you're going to use reconciliation and you want to cut corporate taxes, you can't cut them very much. The other alternative, if you're not going to, if you can't use reconciliation, 
um, then uh, you need Democrats, because if you can't use reconciliation, it could be filibustered. And that means everything becomes much smaller. So what this looks like to most people, I think, around here is Trump has given everybody another shiny object to talk about. One of the one of the things, Robert, that we uh, I remember from the Bush tax cuts in that ten year period that you were referring to, is um, we saw, and that's why there was such an about face when President Obama was elected, and at first when Democrats had control, and even during the Bush years when Democrats took control, um, that the 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 Bush idea, um, similar to Reaganomics, uh, didn't work. It did not. Uh, benefit the economy or stimulate the economy because rich folks were picking money out of their pocket and rather than putting it back into America, they were sending businesses overseas and they were investing in things like Turkish bonds. When we come back, we'll talk more with Robert Shapiro, chairman of Sonicon. And like I said, he is an an economic expert. Um, He has worked with every uh, major figure and was a top dog on the economy during the Clinton administration. Back with him, back with you, right after this questions. 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. guest uh, in uh, this hour is uh, Dr. Robert Shapiro, and I don't know what's going on with my email. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, but before the break, uh, Dr. Shapiro, I was talking to you about the specifically um, the Bush uh, tax uh, cuts. That yes. After 10 years, we looked back, and one of the reasons Democrats said, look, this isn't working. This didn't stimulate the economy. You need to put money into the middle and lower income classes so that they purchase uh, goods that are made in America. It did uh, Not only did it not create jobs, it didn't help the United States economy. It didn't stimulate the economy. And like you said, it didn't do a darn thing uh, for our ever-growing deficit. Right. And in fact, you know, the Federal Reserve just came out with a study which said that cutting corporate tax rates have no effect on investment or jobs. Uh, so the um, all the claims about it um, are false. Uh, you know, they say that we need to reduce the corporate rate uh, because we're not uh, – U.S. businesses aren't competitive. Well, the fact of the matter is U.S. businesses have had – the highest rate of return 
of businesses of any advanced country except Australia over the last 20 years. That makes us sound pretty competitive. Moreover, we're more productive. The U.S. economy overall is more productive than any other large advanced economy. I think the only one which is more productive than us is Norway um, and Luxembourg. So this, this begins as a solution in search of a problem. There's no economic problem with respect to the corporate rate. The corporate rate is not causing any problem for the U.S. economy. Um, and, but that's, of course, um, a cover to do two things. One is to try to tilt the system again towards very wealthy people. But the other is, and I really believe this is a lot of what's going on right now, is that the White House has given us another shiny object. As we approach the 100-day um, deadline, uh, been in office 100 days, we're not talking about his failures. We're not talking about the humiliation on health care. We're not talking about the fact that the courts knock down every immigration proposal he puts out there, that he hasn't been able to actually pass any meaningful legislation. Instead, we're talking about a new initiative, and we're arguing about it. Well, that's, that's fine for him politically uh, because, it may, because it distracts us from the accounting for his failures, not to speak of the growing scandal over um, possible collusion between his campaign and, the, and Russia, uh, Russian intelligence. Um, and um, uh, instead, he sets the agenda. All right, Robert, hold on. Dr. Shapiro will be back with us, and we'll talk more about what Trump's proposing. Some people say, oh, this is incredible, this is bold, uh, but what will it do for you and me and to our pockets, to our bank accounts? I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome back. Dr. Robert Shapiro, Chairman of Sonicong, former Undersecretary of Commerce for Economic Affairs in the Clinton administration, talks to us about Trump's tax plan, and he says it's aimed at the uh, elections, 2018 midterms and 2020, um, a national election, re-election for his seat as um, the uh, Commander-in-Chief. And it is not aimed at competitiveness in the U.S., and it just says, uh, you know, who cares? Damn the deficit. Uh, thank you, Dr. Shapiro, for holding, and let's continue. Uh, we are going to take some calls. Starting it out on line three in Manassas, Virginia, is Ishmael. Ishmael, question or comment for Dr. Shapiro? Leslie, thanks so much for taking my call, and I hope you get uh, very well soon because we need you out here uh, with this Trump era. Thank um, you. My, my, my question to you, I guess, is that one thing that really bothered me when Trump was running, he kept on saying that if any company moved jobs overseas, we're going to tax him, you know, 25 percent. But he, he, in his tax, he's giving tax credit to companies that, that make profit overseas, that move uh, their, their plants overseas. He pretty much encouraging companies to, to move all their jobs, all their factories overseas. What, is, what, what can we do as a Democrat to attach them to these policies and, to, and basically to make them own up to all these policies? That is my question. 
Dr. Shapiro? Well, um, uh, Ishmael, you're absolutely right. In fact, Trump's preference, which he has stated many times privately, <laughs> is that the U.S. have what's called a territorial tax system. And that means you would only be taxed, a company would only be taxed on profits it made in the United States. It would pay no tax at all on profits it made abroad, which would uh, certainly enhance the tax benefits of investing abroad rather than investing here. The other interesting thing about his proposal is um, everyone agrees that it would blow an enormous hole in the budget deficit, uh, whether it's $2 trillion or $4 trillion over 10 years, it would be very large. Um, well, uh, that would mean that national savings would go down because uh, we'd be running these big deficits. And when, that, when national savings go down, trade deficits go up. <laughs> it's, it's, they are... They are very tightly tied economically, saving rates and trade deficits. And so the president who campaigned on reducing the trade deficit starts out with a tax program um, that would increase the trade deficit. Anything and, else, Ishmael? Yeah, my follow-up question. So, so, I mean, with all these tax policies, I mean, are they going to start making a difference before – he was before before his terms over. Are we going to see like the effect of his policies before the, well, his terms over? Well, thank you so much. Certainly, if you um, if we let let's say we pass some form of tax change, uh, certainly for the reasons I said before, it won't be as big as Trump has suggested, but um, let's say a smaller one, a more modest one. Uh, Politically, what he wants is to not pay for it, and the, and there are two reasons for that. One is if you pay for it, you got whoever is paying is going to be mad. But the other reason is the economy is slowing. Um, the GDP it hasn't been announced for the for the first quarter yet, but it will come in at under one percent. Uh, this is an expansion that is nearly eight years old. There are only two longer expansions in our history. Um, and within, by the end of this year, it will be the second longest expansion. This is really the Obama expansion. Um, well, the fact is um, expansions don't go on forever. What he needs is some stimulus to keep the economy going to keep growth going. Um, that's what he needs for 2018. I agree with you, Leslie. He doesn't really care about the Republican Party, but he does care uh, about Democrats getting control of the House and being able to use the last two years of his presidency to investigate him because they would control the committees. And so he needs to get past the 2018 election, and he hopes that with enough stimulus, it can carry him into 2020. I think the likelihood of that, as an economist, I think the likelihood of that is very, very small. 
And I've spoken to economists who speak to the administration, and and they agree with that. Um, but um, to get past 2018, at least, um, he needs some stimulus. And I will tell you that, you know, I um, – I was an advisor to Mrs. Clinton in in the last election, and um, uh, that was the advice I gave her. I said, we need stimulus. Um, And the the economy is weakening, and I said, infrastructure and education are the places to do it. Um, And, but... The only kind of stimulus Republicans will tolerate is tax cuts, not spending. So that's where he's gone. I appreciate your call, your questions, Ishmael. Let's move on to Washington on line four with Paul. Paul, good afternoon. Question or comment for our guest, Dr. Shapiro. Oh, hi, Leslie. Uh, well, a couple of observations. Uh, the first thing is, as uh, Dr. Shapiro mentioned, if there was a $4 trillion hole in the deficit and Trump were to guarantee three percent growth it would be if you took all of that growth which is about five hundred billion dollars a year you'd only fix the hole in the deficit if you stuck all of the growth into the hole it would break (laughs) even after about eight years let alone just the taxes on the growth so would roll out a very long time a lot farther than ten years the other thing is the corporate tax rate at 35%, I wonder if it's that, it's that amount, mostly because corporations really want it that way. The effective tax rate oh, since 2011 that I've read is that, uh, if, uh, on average, effectively, corporations have paid about 12% of uh, income tax, not anywhere close to 35%. So it's really a, uh, a competition buster so that some corporations who might not have the loopholes would end up having to pay that 35%, so it puts a competition buster. So I really don't think, and, and when President Obama offered to lower the corporate tax rate from 35 to 28%, but get rid of the loopholes, Mitch McConnell said, well, that's just punitive, getting rid of them loopholes, that's just punitive. Oh, we can't go for that. So they really don't want to cut the corporate tax rate. That's my, uh, what is your reaction to that, Dr. Spiro? Well, I, I agree with you entirely. There is an economic case, and a good economic case, for reducing the rate and eliminating um, a lot of these special preferences for one industry or another. Um, It makes the economy overall a little more efficient. It's not going to transform the economy, but um, it's, it's always better to have a lower rate and fewer preferences because the current system, you're right, the effective rate, which is what people actually, companies actually pay, is somewhere between 12 and 14 percent, not 35 percent. And that's because of all these special preferences. And what those preferences do is they encourage companies to make their investments and expenditures in ways that will get them the most tax benefits as opposed to the most economic benefit. And that's why it makes the economy less efficient. Um, all these preferences and the high rate. But the fact is, uh, just as you said, President Obama proposed to lower the rate to 28% and by eliminating 
uh, a number of special preferences, and Congress has refused to do that. The Republicans have refused to do that. Whoever loses, whoever is taking advantage, uh, taking advantage of those preferences is going to oppose it. Um, that's why um, uh, he's proposed instead uh, not to fund it by closing any loophole, but rather just to fund it by expanding the deficit. Right. And yeah. one last point, and I thought you were going to go there, Paul, um, is that if you increase the deficit by $200, $300 billion a year uh, for a tax plan like this, um, Janet Yellen is going to notice. <laughs> That's <laughs> the right. The Federal Reserve is going to take note. And as the um, uh, as more and more savings are claimed by the government um, for um, for its financing and leaving less to businesses, um, interest rates will rise. And so, whatever benefit ordinary people get from um, a bigger standard deduction, for example, which is the main benefit he's offered for the middle class, um, much of that benefit will be offset by the fact that interest rates have, have risen uh, because of the deficit, uh, because of these, these proposals. Um, and so credit card debt is more expensive, mortgages are more expensive. Um, anything that you buy on credit becomes more expensive, and um, uh, so it's hard to see that on balance um, average people would gain anything. Well, one question. Uh, it's my understanding that um, the Senate could not pass uh, this this plan uh, if it were filibustered by the Democrats by, with reconciliation, as uh, I think there is a law that says that if the deficit is uh, beyond a certain amount over 10 years, then reconciliation is not an option. Is that right? What it says is that if the proposal increases the deficit after 10 years, mm -hmm. you cannot use reconciliation. Right, okay. That's right. Thank you. All right, and uh, Reggie is in Decatur, Georgia. Let's go to him on line two. Reggie? Yeah, happy, uh, happy Thursday to you guys. And... I would just like to ask both of you and your guests something, Leslie. Why doesn't anybody stand up and fight against Trump, Donald Trump's tax plans? Why is there no backlash against it from the mainstream media on down? Well, I think we're going to see that. After all, it's only been out there for two days. And it's not really, the truth is, it's not really a plan. Is all they put out was a one-page statement of ideas. And everything that we've talked about was on that one page. Um, uh, but um, as it, uh, the first thing you'll see happen will be that um, people will ask what's called the Joint Tax Committee, which is this uh, body of specialists in the Congress staff who look at legislation and say, what effect will this have on spending and what effect will this have on revenues, i.e., in the end, on the deficit? Um, very soon you will have, um, I mean, my guess is already Nancy Pelosi has written to 
the Joint Tax Committee asking for a uh, revenue estimate of the impact of uh, dropping the corporate rate to 15% and applying the 15% rate to non-corporate businesses. Um, and so once you start getting those numbers, uh, we don't know whether the it would cost $2 trillion or $4 trillion or $5 trillion. There isn't any doubt that whatever number it is, the next word is trillion, <laughs> not billion. Um, and once you get that number, um, uh, you'll hear a lot of attacks. And then they will ask the Congressional Budget Office to, to uh, analyze it and tell the Congress how much benefit goes to each income group. And it's called a distributional table. And then we'll see that people earning um, $5 million and more a year will gain a million dollars, and people earning $1 million a year will gain $120,000. And people earning $50,000 a year will gain $26, <laughs> something like that. Uh, and once you get those kinds of numbers, um, then uh, those numbers kind of organize the attack on it. Why don't you just simply scrap it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think in the end that's probably what will happen. Uh, last uh, word, Robert, we're going to be uh, headed uh, into break, our final minutes with you. What do you want to leave folks with with re regard to this legislation? Um, that with two thoughts. One is I don't believe he's serious. I think he, this is, again, an effort to distract us from um, his failures and from the growing scandals around his administration and his general political failure. And the second thing is, to the degree that he is serious, um, this, would, uh, this would be a massive redistribution of income and wealth from the middle class to the very rich. Um, and we don't need a president who promotes that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure to have uh, you with us. And I know a lot of folks appreciate when he's on the program because he is just a uh, plethora of information on the economy. Uh, be sure to follow Robert at Rob Shapiro, R-O-B-S-H-A. P-I-R-O, the website, Sonicon, S-O-N-E-C-O-N.com. Like I said, Dr. Shapiro is chairman of Sonicon and a fellow at the McDonough School of Business at Georgetown University, former Undersecretary of Commerce for Economic Affairs during the Clinton administration. And the economy was good, folks. I'm Leslie Marshall. Quick break when we come back live from our nation's capital, Talk Media News.
Live from our nation's capital with Talk Media News, Patrick Gavin. Patrick, good afternoon. Thank you uh, for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I know you have two things, and actually Mark and I during the break only get to chat about one. So let's stop or start with the Freedom Caucus. Um, they have agreed to the MacArthur Amendment. Uh, for folks uh, that may not have heard of it or understand, uh, briefly tell us what the MacArthur Amendment is and, and what this means um, for uh, Trump care, as many are calling it. Well, the MacArthur Amendment would essentially allow uh, uh, one, one of the more popular but also controversial elements of the bill uh, to be passed down to states. Essentially what it would do is allow states to opt out of the requirement that you have to cover those with pre-existing uh, conditions. Uh, and as a result, that has brought that, that has attracted the Freedom Caucus to the plan. Um, but, you know, but in so doing may sort of doom it in the Senate. I think now that the Freedom Caucus is on board, uh, the, the Republican Party's attempts to repeal and replace Obamacare in the House look a lot better. And they've had a hard time getting the Freedom Caucus on board. Uh, but the reality is that that pre-existing condition uh, aspect of Obamacare is one of the more popular elements. I mean, I mean, in fact, Obamacare has gotten more popular the um, the more Republicans have tried to scrape away at it. And there's really not a groundswell of support for a lot of what uh, Republicans are proposing. It's one of these things where, you know, people – it's hard to take things away once people have it, even if perhaps they didn't know that they wanted it in the first place. So uh, – it's going to be very hard to imagine a scenario in which the Senate goes along with this, but we'll see what happens uh, during the reconciliation process. So once again, uh, it, it looks like something won't pass because you finally get you know, the Libertarian Freedom Caucus folks on board, but the more moderate Republicans are, are saying this isn't going to work for us and for the states we represent. Yeah, and, you know, and I don't know that this is a total lose-lose for Republicans, politically speaking, or I guess Trump specifically. Uh, I mean, Trump's heart's not in health care reform uh, terribly. So I think that, you know, if he can get something through the House, uh, even if it dies in the Senate, he can sort of say he did his part and, you know, blame it on Democratic obstructionism or, or whatever sort of alibi he can come up with. But I think that, you know, the one thing Republicans want to avoid is another embarrassment in the House, uh, as they suffered a few months ago. Uh, and they also want to be able to say, again, in the House especially, where so many of their folks got elected in office on the platform of repealing uh, Obamacare. So they want to be able to say that they did something. You know, if the Senate kills it, you know, they can say, well, the Senate's the Senate. It's a bunch of, you know, old-fashioned, stuffy folks, uh, you know, who, who, who are less prone to swift change. But then, you know, Republicans and Trump can say, well, you know, we did something. Um, and last but not least, NAFTA. Yeah, President Trump had a bit of a flip-flop yesterday with, uh, you know, the day starting off on Wednesday with the or, uh, on Wednesday with a, a White House aide saying that the White House was beginning the process of pulling out of the North American Free Trade Agreement. Uh, but then following phone calls with the counterparts in Canada and Mexico, uh, Trump put out a press release saying, no, in fact, uh, we're not pulling out of it. You know, we will renegotiate it. But, but we but we remain a loyal partner in it. it it's tough to say, it's tough to tell if that's an actual flip right. Okay, thank you, Patrick. Had to cut him off there. Patrick Gavin, Talk Media News. I'm How to show up with Coca-Cola Energy? You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it. Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead. Grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love.